0: comment and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V the Gorilla Economist coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News. It's actually the great game, and we have with us the one and only Matthew Er You can find Matthew over at CanadianPatriot.org, at RisingTideFoundation.net, and you better bet your bottom dollar. Get your butt over to the Substack. Subscribe to the Matthew Eretz Substack. Support his work there. He is a veritable brain trust. On all things geopolitical, geostrategic, he breaks it down better than no one can. So make sure you go there, support him. He accepts donations in Bitcoin, all sorts of cryptocurrencies. Uh, Just contact Matt. Get over there, show your love, show your support. And with that being said, Monsieur Matthew Eretz,
1: c'est la vie. Salut mon ami. Salut. Salut. How are you doing? Bonsoir. Bonsoir. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's a lot going on, eh? There's a lot to talk about. I don't really have a an organized composition, as I sometimes do, so I figured we could just sort of improvise and and see where it goes. But there's definitely a lot of the, moving parts to uh, to infuse meaning into, I think, uh, today.
0: I don't know. What do you want to start? you want to start with the crying well, COP26, or do you want to talk about it? Let's do this. Uh, Let, let's start with the, the thing that really caught my thing, attention. Right.
1: Yeah, w- the exactly. thing that really caught my attention was the, uh, the great narrative. So I guess we could start with the great mm. narrative to get mm, into yes. the set the tone, uh, so to speak, for things. But um, you, I, I sent you the link, right? You guys have seen the, the new initiative that Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum Zombies have unleashed onto the world, right?
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's just, it's kooky. Um, but it's, it's, for me, it's nothing new, right? And it shouldn't be a surprise that these guys are myth makers. They're narrative builders. They don't believe in the garbage that they want their victims to believe in. That's the whole idea of, like, you know, the, the parent the definition like, the of a con man. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I I try to get across to people sometimes who don't understand how uh, seemingly convinced ideologues who wield power and make things happen are themselves not even aware of what is controlling them. Right. Like a lot of neocons that managed, uh, let's say, 9-11 that was completely and we've talked about this. Everyone should know this by now. This is uh, elementary stuff. This is a complete inside job um, done from the highest levels within the United States itself. Um, you? going back many, many months before the actual event took place with wait a scapegoat so and everything set up.
0: Matt, hmm? you're telling me you don't believe the official narrative that a bunch of goat herders from a cave were able to take down a multi-billion dollar defense network and was able to fly around planes for two hours without intercept whatsoever and crash into 600,000 hundred thousand-ton steel and concrete buildings and bring them down at free fall speed using the path of most resistance? You don't believe that? You sound like a conspiracy.
1: Theory. Yeah, to, to to destroy three buildings with two planes. What an accomplishment from somebody in a cave coordinating with goats. Oh, yeah, I know it's amazing, eh? The, yeah, something they, about amazing that did
0: No, it's amazing what happens when people hate us because of our freedoms, Matthew. That's what it is.
1: Hate That's is a really... powerful motivation. But go ahead, I'll let you. I, I digress. Go ahead. Absolutely. So the the thing that I, I try to get across is like how people. Oftentimes, are have difficulty imagining how those who even had such power that they managed to pull off were 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 major players in pulling off that sort of an operation. How was it that they themselves weren't fully aware of what it was that they themselves are also a part of? Because um, ideolo- ideologies like neoconservatism as sort of sort of a, a Pax Americana, uh, corruption of what American nationalism or American patriotism is uh this is something contrived that was created in the bowels of intelligence agencies uh, that was infused into um our society especially after you know it it got really bad after john f kennedy died and during the cold war it really amplified it was always sort of there as a problem but it really amplified and took over hegemonically after uh, 1968 but <clears throat> the thing is it's it's like those who control and deploy these ideologies and there's there's a, a variety of them um that then both target the masses, uh, big swaths of masses, but also those uh, who are going to be managers within that 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 machine. They, It's kind of like a parent who tells a story about the Tooth Fairy to their child, right? They want the behavior of the child brushing their teeth to set in, so they give a narrative, they twist, they create a, an innocent little tale about a Tooth Fairy that's going to give you a few bucks, you know, um, and... Um, there's, you know, little little stories about being good for Santa Claus and stuff. Now that the parent doesn't believe in Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy, but they want the behavior. That's what they want is the behavioral change. And that's a little bit more benign. I'm not totally against telling your kid those things necessarily. Um, when it comes to cooking up ideologies like, you know, God wants you to um, usher in Armageddon so that the Messiah can come and that should be your approach to defining your nationalism and your geopolitical activities that becomes much more dangerous. (laughs) Um, whether it takes on a Zionist veneer or a Christian fundy veneer or an Islamic veneer, there's a whole bunch of different, um, characteristics modified for each different target group, right? That have been cooked up again and synthetically deployed, uh, to create these little like Gnostic cults that then become over time dominant by being fueled. Um, but they get the same effect. They get ultimately a bunch of people um, in the Middle East or in Israel or in uh, Washington, D.C., who are acting, thinking of them as thinking of themselves as being agencies of a higher destiny that wants, you know, it's because it's right there in Revelations, right? The Gog and Magog go to fight. They, there's a big war that ends all wars. Antichrist comes, blah, blah, blah. World burns. Uh. And, and but then the Messiah comes either for the first time or the second time, depending on whether, you know, where you're coming from. Um, and the, the geopolitical effect is all that they want. So the narrative, I mean, the fact that Klaus Schwab just said, you know, and this has just been announced on November the 11th at the New World Economic Forum Summit in, uh, I think it was Dubai or the UAE, where he said a collaborative effort of the world's leading thinkers to fashion longer term perspe- uh, perspectives and co-create narratives that can help guide the creation of a more resilient, inclusive, sustainable vision of our collective future, which combines futurologists and scientists who are all going to work together with corporate leaders and multi-billionaire technocrats to create this inclusive new narrative that unifies all branches of human experience, right, going into the future. You're like, well, Oh, yeah, you got it right there. That's the page, They're right? Yeah, I'm not making this up. <laughs> um, now, for me, what surprised me is just how candid they are in putting that into words, because human- humanity has been doing this anyway, as we've, you know, we've talked about so much for thousands and thousands of years. This is not a new thing. Creating narratives is uh, and creating stories for society um, is something which defines all of human ex- the human experience. And they even say so on the website. They say, you know, people... They're, they're acting like this is a new thing. Modern scientific behavior studies have demonstrated that people will be more responsive to emotional narratives over the facts. Is like, that's literally their wording of it. As if this is like some new scientific innovation. Um, so just like 9-11 uh, was a narrative, right? We were given a, a, a story that then justified our consent to allowing French fries to be called freedom fries, which is really what this is all about. Um, no, I... <laughs> And also bombing the hell out of countries that had nothing to do with 9-11, um, turning them back into the Stone Age, right? There's a whole bunch of, of, of effects. The the consent of a surveillance state, right? Amplifying the powers of the Five Eyes to surveil everybody, uh, to create a war on terror uh, as this innocuous. All of those things are, are the effects of that type of behavioral change and the meanings that were infused into it by the John Boltons out there the Dick Cheney's and others um, are obviously being renewed right now in the context of uh, the war on domestic terror. And I, I don't know if you guys, have you guys seen the, um, um, the the Patriot purge documentary, which Tucker Carlson just produced? No,
0: no, I've not seen
1: this. I'm halfway Patriot through it. Purge? I was watching it right before we started, we started this show just cause narratives. Right. Um, but they're really, they're quite good at just getting across the uh, the fallacies of both of those events of you know how um, January the sixth was an inside job nine eleven and how the meanings were infused by almost like neuro linguistic programming um, by the controllers to just re- re-emphasize, restate that the idea that um, you know uh, this was worse than like the the storming of Capitol Hill somehow which was completely orchestrated by Donald Trump to run a coup d'etat, obviously, d- despite the evidence to the contrary, was the worst thing since the Civil War, is what they actually say. And they've like, they've got analysts coming on to MSN that they've got clips of saying this is worse than 9-11. We want this burnt into the the psyche of, of civilization forever, ever, forever uh, that this is worse than 9-11 um as a as a perpetual trauma so they're trying to create false traumas for people that then you know shape how we we organize our identities going into you know 2030 2040 into the into their minds they're thinking the 22nd century when they can have you know uh in their minds a complete brave new world totally controlled system of you know human borg like automatons being born out of test tubes and shit with a uh uh, a sociopathic, you know, master race uh, whose brains are all like queued up into the clouds, um, so that they can achieve immortality or something. Because now all of a sudden, you're—this <laughs> is really what they want, right? They want to cheat death. These wannabe gods of Olympus, um, and ultimately, they—they—they've got this this narrative for themselves. Which I think that some of them a lot—that's the problem with narratives is that the oligarchy not only creates them to control people, but then they also tend to believe in their own narratives over time. And then they get dumber. Um, And I think a lot of these oligarchs do believe in these transhumanist narratives that are coming out of the world economic forum, but these are not, again, they're not new. It's just weird that they're putting it into such visceral, literal words. And when you look at like, you know, the, uh, the case of the, 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 the 15th century before Columbus, even right, people say, "Oh, yeah, Columbus discovered the world was round." It's like, no, not really. People knew for thousands of years before that. They knew from Eratosthenes of of, of ancient Alexandria that the world was round. You know, Eratosthenes, who was the head librarian of the Library of Alexandria, who was a, a student of Plato's Academy, he calculated within like forty miles of error the exact circumference of the Earth. Wow. Um, it was known by Aristarchus of of uh, Ar- Ar- Aristarchus of Samos another collaborator of the the Plato's Academy that the earth was moving around the sun that it was a heliocentric system these are not these were not new innovations in that sense and the problem was why was this forgotten because it was suppressed so that people's sense of the context that shapes their world would be so minimized that they wouldn't be able to have the courage to venture out into the ocean so you have all of these like Oligarchs producing, putting money into maps. You know, if you look at the thirteenth, fourteenth century maps, that promote this idea not only that the world is flat, but that you'll fa- and that you'll fall off at a certain point if you venture out too far beyond the the mainland, but also that there's these like sea monsters that'll like kill you if you if you try to go outside of your accepted sphere of of motion. Yeah. So they wanted their 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 targeted serfs to to stay on their plantations, yep. to stay on the feudal plantations or whatever they were. In medieval times and that way if people's minds are so um gripped by fear because monsters are scary right falling off the side of the uh, the earth into the abyss is scary yes
0: falling off the
1: edge of the earth so you won't want to venture out despite the fact that ancient mariners like from egypt were already doing commerce and setting up colonies in south america like that's what you have with machu picchu and peru and all of these incredible designs that are tuned to astronomical observations across South America and Central America, uh, these are very much in alignment with the construction materials, techniques, understanding of, of ancient Egypt. Um, so there was all of this stuff that's been crushed. They burnt down the Library of Alexandria for a reason. They crushed the, the real active knowledge that one society did have because why? They know that if we actually had a connection to the best ideas that gave birth to the greatest explosions of progress of our past, we would not accept going into a slaughterhouse of, you know, some technocratic feudal dictatorship today, which is really what these guys want. And that's what's behind things like the great narrative, right, is get rid of all real science and and create this new thing we call science. But it's really just like, you know, new forms of fear masquerading as science, like, you know, be afraid of this invisible little uh, virus virus you know, that that's apparently killed ever, like it's it's like the new black plague. And and unless you give up your your freedoms, you will yeah. humanity will be destroyed. And thus you need this or be afraid of the 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 carbon dioxide molecule. Right. Because it's just the worst thing ever that we produce by trying to be industrial. And, and it's yeah. it's going to burn the earth under a new Armageddon. And the floods are going to, you know, uh, destroy us all as the ice caps melt. And it's like, and then no, the polar bears will die out as well. And the polar bears are all gonna drown, and, and you're like, Well, but then all the people promoting this, like like Al Gore, are buying like oceanfront, uh tropical properties. Or, properties. Yeah, like Jeff Bezos buying his like Hawaiian islands right next yeah. to like the, one of the biggest volcanoes and like yeah. right at sea level, which you're yeah. saying is going to be completely submerged underwater in 20 years. So why are you spending yeah. seven billion dollars? On a fucking island that you're saying is going to be underwater, you don't believe what you're saying. You're a mythmaker. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on there, Matthew. Now, now, when I
0: was hanging out with Michelle, and uh, we went down to go see uh, Richard Branson over at his island somewhere near Jeffrey, uh, I tell you right now, some of the best beachfront property. I, there's a reason why. I bought a brand new house in Martha's Vineyard. I want to be close to the ocean and uh, be uh, in touch with my environmental side. That's what I got to say, Matthew. That's all I'll say. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, exactly, and the fact that this guy was also like partying out for his birthday with like 500 people, no masks, uh, you know, We're all vaccinated. It's as simple as that. Sure, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> no, they don't give a shit about any of these uh, narratives. This is all
0: for the plebs, man. I'm telling you, it's it's. It, yeah. it, I think it was a world famous boxer who, uh, and he made the point. He goes, you know, I was flying commercial. Uh, and it was first class American Airlines was going to Europe, and, and every five minutes the stupid stewardess was telling me to put my mask on as I was taking bites in between the, the bites of, of peanuts that I was eating. And I said, enough's enough. Next time around, I spent the twenty thousand dollars, took a private jet. Nobody was bothering me for a mask. nobody on the private jet had a mask on. They were sub- serving me, you know, caviar and champagne. I realized the COVID is for the poor and working class, and that is exactly what it is. It's for the plebes. It is not for the upper echelon of society. That's why they can party. That's why when you look at their ga- their galas that they go to, they're not wearing any masks, but their servants, okay, their servants, whom these uh, far leftists uh, have are usually uh, minority ethnic groups, they have to wear masks. Everybody else's masks is for them, the mm-hmm. most elitist. The, and they're going to save us. And, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. If they're so damn worried about rising oceans, these, these a-holes why do they have beachfront property why is it till this day matt manhattan which is 10 feet below sea level why are they still fighting over that piece of real estate it's ridiculous
1: yeah exactly or, or like flying in with their private jets into cop 26 right which i mean, collectively all of these multi-billionaires who flew into cop 26 for like 13 14 days of uh of really nothing happened i mean at, at the end of the day it was it was <laughs> that was actually where I, I like actually seeing the myths breaking down um, with reality, because a myth is our per- it's how do you con- construct people's perception? Uh, reality is not perception. Now, the oligarchy wants us to not be able to differentiate between perception of reality and reality. They want that to be completely uh, foggy. Yeah. Uh, but it's great when, they, when you see the cracks really getting so big that you can't really ignore the cracks when you press one up against the other. Um, but like, the uh the in- <laughs> here there's two things i'm trying to say at the same time on the one hand you have all these jets coming down right putting out probably as much tonnage of carbon dioxide as a, as a as a small country does in the course of just like 13 days as as if these people really cared and then going back to one of their like five like you know how many how many different villas and mansions does uh does jeff bezos you know manage who cares so much about the the environment or or bill gates right but that's a side thing that's just like you could say, oh, yeah, but they really do probably care because maybe they're going to buy carbon offsets or something. You could say that, maybe. Um, but then Alok Shar- uh, Sharma, who is the, uh, the, the, this British national who, uh, you know, City of London um, character who was managing, at least as a figurehead, the COP26 summit, he came out basically apologizing to all of the attendees afterwards when it ended this week, saying, I'm so sorry. He was practically crying because they put, so much effort into the buildup to make this the <laughs> final end all summit to save the world and we were going to have binding agreements finally signed by China and Russia and the Euro- and everybody's going to sign these binding uh, suicide pacts to shut down our carbon dioxide together to save the environment and and lo and behold after all this has happened all of this hullabaloo, nothing was signed that was binding again, just like in 2009 when the first carb- uh, COP uh, was it COP14 Car- summit was, uh, was flushed uh, largely because of China and India who saved the world. And people don't realize how they did that. Um, so too, did it happen yet again, where China basically said, yeah, sure. We don't want carbon dioxide, but we're going to not do anything, which is going to hurt our people. And we're going to invest massively it even more so in coal, oil, natural gas, because we need to, otherwise people are going to die. Um, which kind of makes the entire agreement sort of superfluous. And also, they're investing in nuclear power, which emits no CO2. They're becoming one of the world's biggest investors, as is Russia and India, for a reason. Because it's real, you know, people are afraid of it, who are like, you know, mushy uh, Westerners who have been fed heavy doses of propaganda for decades. They've been induced to be afraid of oh. everything invisible, like radiation. Um, but re- the reality is, it's the most... The reason why we haven't built any nuclear reactors in you know North America for the past forty years, you know, like if it's really, it's if if the oligarchy really wanted nuclear power, you think that you wouldn't you think that they would have been building more of them, not shutting them all down. But the reason why is because the oligarchy knows that if we actually harness it, we have cheap, abundant, reliable energy that would make any type of energy scarcity argument completely obsolete. Relevant. It, you'd
0: literally have free electricity at that point. I mean, you 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 would go from having like eight cents a kilowatt or five cents to like, like a penny a kilowatt hour. I, I mean, just the fractions yeah. of a penny kilowatt hours. It's, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, like like one pound of of uh thorium. This is not thorium. This is just a, a mineral. But one little tiny pound of dense. Uh, I was about to say you're uh, holding radioactive thorium in your hands. I was like, <laughs> He really is a superhero. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually uh, ninety-three years old. That's I just rub this uh radiation on my
0: <laughs> Matthew Ayers Beauty
1: Regimen, tune
0: in next week. Folks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not moisturizer, radiation. Yeah. Um a pound of thorium. As a disclaimer, do not if you have access to radiation in your house, do not do this with the with the radioactive substance. Do not do that. <laughs> Disclaimer, you cannot hold us accountable for having provo- <laughs> promoted that. We will not um, be
0: responsible if you grow a cauliflower-like tumor off the side of your face.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, Matty. Uh Yeah, so that's the thing, right? It's, it's again, these invisible things. It's CO2. Uh, it's As long as you can't see it, you can easily spin a narrative and infuse meaning into why you should be afraid of it. Carbon dioxide is not something you see. It's this invisible thing, which somehow... Um, is destroying your children's future. So we need to give our consent to shutting down industrial civilization, which produces CO2. Uh, Radiation, you can't see it. And it's like, you know, my my wife, Cynthia, she gave a really great uh, presentation on why why there are no limits to growth uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's on our website, on the Rising Tide Foundation site. It'll be up, I think, tonight, actually. Um, But, you know, she made this great point that, we are living in a radiation environment. Like we're always getting, if you don't get radiation, in fact, it's proven that your body, your cells lose their ability to do their job and they shrivel up and die. And die. You, you atrophy on a variety of levels. If you don't get a certain dose of constant radiation from a variety of sources. And if you're flying a plane, you are getting more radiation flying a plane than you would if you were sitting in uh, Chernobyl, or even like right behind the uh, uh, the plants at Fukushima, the, the 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 plants that had their their little their meltdown at Fukushima, you'd be getting more flying a plane. You would be getting more if you were living in Tibet above uh, sea level to that extreme. You'd be getting heavy doses because why? Radiation is constantly constantly fluxing through our biosphere from space, which is a radioactive ocean of cosmic radiation plasma. All forms of radiation constantly fluctuating in. You have also like people go for and they've been going now. This has been observed for many generations. If you go to Brazil, there are what's called the black beaches, black yes. sand beaches. And you people have been going there for generations and immersing themselves to cure themselves of arthritis. Why? It's 30 times more radioactive than living in the backyard of a nuclear power plant it's more it's super radioactive but it's healthy for you some of the oldest people in the world per capita live in a little place in iran where the background radiation from the soil it just happens to be that there's a lot of naturally occurring radiation inside of the soil area there like in brazil there's some of the the longest per capita uh living people because they're constantly evolved like they've been living in that type of radioactive environment now the thing is with radiation we've been told all radiation is harmful regardless of the doses. So, you know, if you've been getting, uh, like my, my, my friend, uh, Kautumuk, who's, who's a board member, um, of, uh, of, of the rising tide foundation, he gave us a presentation. He's a nuclear scientist. He's, he's working on uh, small modular reactors and molten salt reactors. That's, that's his, his like expertise. And he gave us a class and he made the point, you know, like, the way that they're 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 trying to say all doses of radiation cause various degrees of death, no matter what. There is no such thing as healthy radiation. It's like saying, okay, if you drank two giant bottles of vodka, you would like have a fifty percent chance of dying. And so, if you drank one bottle of vodka, you would have a twenty five percent chance of dying. And if you drank, uh, let's say, um, one twentieth of that you would have proportionally one-twentieth of the percentage chance of dying, let's say like 1.3% chance of dying. Uh um, if you, which is essentially like almost a couple of shot glasses, right? So basically they're saying if you took 120 people, one out of 120 who drank one, a little more than one shot glass would die. Yeah. That's what, that's the type of law. Now that, that is bullshit. There's no way in in hell that there's going to be, Maybe one out of like five million people, maybe because they have an allergic reaction to vodka, might die from a shot and a half, right? But to say this is the type of logic that they're saying. They're saying because like standing next to um, Hiroshima, uh, like you know, uh, was Fat Boy, bo- like the name of the bomb that they gave because yeah, 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 they named it after Winston Churchill, who was fat, yeah. um, <laughs> because when you're standing right next to that bomb, getting like you know tons of radiation you will die a hundred percent of the time they're saying if you if you just mathematically divide that down you will always get a guaranteed amount of chance of dying just at lower lower numbers all the way to like zero you will always get something and again this is so unscientific for what i just said because we live in a radioactive environment and because there is a provable science of what's called radiation hormesis is, is a science where they've proven that like cows, the cows that were uh, living near the Arizona uh, testing nuclear testing grounds in the 1940s yep. and 50s there was there was farm animals. They had to, this was a common problem where they had to put down a lot of the, the the cows artificially because they were they were growing they were living longer than cows should ever live. Um, and they had to like put them down at a certain point. Um, People who who work in nuclear engineering, there were studies done in Boston that carried out a a 25-year survey of something like 5,000 nuclear employees and found that their rate of getting cancers versus the the regular part of the population was one in point – for every one person in the regular population who just, like, worked normal jobs outside of the nuclear sector, for every one person that would get a a cancer, it would be 0.75, so, like, 75% of which – would be the, the same equivalent in the data sets of people working in the nuclear sector. So you're actually getting at a low dose dosage, you are getting um like increased longevity, lo- better health, less less um um you know all forms of of muscular and, and bone diseases. So this hormesis idea is a part of nature. Uh, and one last example in food, right? People who are still afraid of nuclear, I, I'll tell you this: if you eat a banana. All, all yeah. of your living fruit and vegetables are radioactive. They're, they're emitting constant beta and gamma, uh, beta decays, right? Yeah. Beta decays are a function of it's a radioactive function. A banana, potassium forty, is an isotope of potassium. It's found all over. Every banana has them. It's radioactive. It's emitting about three thousand five hundred beta decays per second that you're mm-hmm. constantly getting. Now, what happens? Is that when food is ext- when the the radioactive elements are extracted from food, and they've done this on on mice in laboratory studies, and you get the same chemical effect? So the, the, the food extracted of all of its or the banana extracted of the the potassium forty or whatever food extracted of the radioactive uh, molecules, it looks chemically the same. The mice getting the the deradiate uh, you know I guess filtered deradiate radio- radioactivized, is that a word? Uh, food. They end up getting sicker, faster and dying. Their, their cells don't do the work because your cells need to get infusions of ener- energy to carry out the complex work of a cell and to communicate because the cell is an antenna, right? It's it's re- all of the DNA inside of our cells. the, the is, is it's like an antenna. It's receiving information of electromagnetic signals and then trans transforming and then sending out signals at the speed of light all the time that's how our body with its 10 quadrillion whatever it is cells um has an intercommunication it's not because each individual cell is sending out you know enzymes and proteins that like move slowly through your bloodstream and then like unpack information that another cell says oh okay i guess i shouldn't reproduce my heart cells that fast because my liver cells are doing this no it's happening at the speed of light or faster um And this is the way it it requires energy. It's like an economy. Our cells, our bodies are like a microcosm of an actual economy, right? Just like we have, uh, organs that are creatively evolved to, to fulfill a function within a, a system within us to, to filter the, the water, to filter our blood, to, to excrete and to produce and to metabolize, right? The whole function of metabolism is conversion of energy into work. Um, these are all things we find as analogs in, in a human economy. It's just that where, you know, it's limited, um, but like where human beings are are finite species, we're going to die like as an individual, but we're part of a species which organizes in economy systems which transcend individual lives and is potentially immortal. So we as finite individuals are mortal, guaranteed, right? We've got to come to terms with that. The sooner you do it, the better because uh, then you can start building a, a healthy mature human identity uh, when you come to terms with that fact and you're not afraid of it at a certain point because you realize that there's something deeper about life than simply your fleshly pleasures which is what you know these klaus fabian tech you know technocrats are they can't deal with that because they only live for their hedonistic pleasures ultimately that's what's yeah. so sick and sad about them and that's also why they're so afraid of their own mortality which is why they're pursuing these like you know We'll 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 merge with machines and be like, you know, we'll download our souls into a little like, you know, USB that we can upload into a new uh, cyborg body or something or whatever. I want to I want to download Klaus Schwab's uh, consciousness
0: into a, a artificial inseminator for horses. <laughs> That's what I want him to do. <laughs> you know, or a a a, uh, a a rectal scan for, you know, that 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 checks for pro- for uh, prostate cancer. That's what I'd like to think that two. all of
1: these like asshole oligarchs who like lived lived really uh, ill begotten lives have. If there is such a thing as a reincarnation, I hope that they've reincarnated into rectal scanners. That's it for uh, for horses. They, they want
0: to transcend their yeah. conscience and all of a sudden, their conscious wakes up. Where am I? What is this beeping sound? What's Although you know what, no.
1: <laughs> you know what, these freaks might actually enjoy that too much. We, we got to come up with something true. better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got to oh, think of something God. virtuous that would just, like, drive them nuts. Know, maybe um,
0: a, 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 a sensor in sewage systems that uh, measures the refuse. Something like that. We should download them into that. There you go. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah.
1: Grounded in crap for the rest of their existence. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it just – and and which also, ironically, keeps people alive, right? Because um, they're, like, now contributing to overpopulation by being a part of a system that is, like, cleaning the water and uh, and helping people live healthier lives yeah you' uh, you
0: know you know what always fascinates me, right? Yeah. like you, you you made an interesting point that really stuck with me this whole entire time, and that is um, uh, I mean, these are the psychos who literally drew out maps and told you that if you were to ever leave our wonderful plantation that we have prepared for you, you will fall off the edge of the earth. Don't go out there on a boat. there are sea monsters out there that will eat you alive, you know what is it about the mentality of the western leaders man like why are they like that I still break my brain over it like why are they like this why are they so nihilistic why are they so like worshippers of death yeah they're satanists and luciferians and all this other nonsense but like why why do they always want why do they like why do they want to suck so bad i, I <laughs> <laughs> <it's they>? like, <laughs> just, you know why it's like it's like what That's kind of a little... sucky thing could I do to make, you know, just... They wake up, I mean, if they hate life so much, I recommend people like Klaus Schwamp to end their lives. I mean, it's quite easy to do. I don't get it, man. I mm-hmm. still break my brain over that.
1: I think that one of the guys who probably had the best handle on the deep psychology of this oligarchical disease is... Um is a figure who's been really, really uh, maligned and slandered over a very long period of time. Um, he was a, a, an American literary figure who I don't think people appreciate for the right reasons. He's brought out on Halloween um, because he did things like The Raven and spooky tales like The Black Cat. But Edgar Allan Poe mm. is a figure who, if you read some of his um, his work, in this, and I mean here especially The Fall of the House of Usher or... Uh, the mask of the Red Death. um, you will get and the deepest penetrating psychological study of the pathetic nature of the oligarchical psyche and why they're ultimately not only pathetic but also uh, self de- they will they can do nothing but ultimately self-destruct, which was, you know that, that's ultimately the house of Usher itself is is a metaphor it's a symbol symbolic metaphor with usher roderick usher you know the aristocrat who's born completely impotent he on every level creatively impotent he fit he actually has no heirs. it doesn't seem like he wants to um who's like he's yearning for creativity and like edgar Allan poe's character who's invited from the united states he's you know this is like being taking place in 1830s there's a certain clash of two different paradigms the the american paradigm which is where the narrator of the it's a firsthand account right so the narrator who's this childhood friend of this aristocrat is invited in because the aristocrat's super depressed and uh and he comes and he voyages and he spends like a few days to try to like cheer him up but he's like i I don't know what to do this guy is really far gone and he's describing inside of roderick usher's house you know he's got like a little guitar he's got a bunch of books he describes what the books are and there's like a lot of mystic uh rosicrucian freemasonic books the guy's fascinated by the occult and black magic and the unknown but he also like admires creativity but he just can't do it well and he like describes how he tries to like improvise some chords on the guitar and he's like they're just not good (laughs) and uh ultimately i mean the whole and people should just read the story and not just take my little quick summary on it but you know at a certain point the whole thing comes tumbling down but the, the the paradigms are that the roderick usher represents the old nobility the old hereditary structures of Europe which America had only recently broken away from and the United States spirit represents a rejection of the idea that authority and morality are based in your blood or in your right to rule it's actually not that it's your merit it's your it's your uh, capacities and your moral development that determines whether or not you should uh, lead or not Um, And there was a spirit of progress that everybody, even the poor could excel and make inventions and discoveries that benefit all of humanity, even after you die. And that idea of that spiritual idea of of scientific progress, which was not utilitarian, it wasn't like, oh, we want to make money and milk it. That wasn't what was animating it, which is what we're often fed today. The, the, The myth makers have given us, have spun narratives that have, 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 I think, severed our current society's understanding for where the spirit of real progress ever came from. And the the sacredness, the divinity of it all has been sort of extracted to make it seem as though it's all about, you know, making money for JP Morgan or something. And that's why electricity was created because, you know, the oligarchs wanted to make money. Um, but it's like, no, none of these things ever happened without a massive fight and always with total opposition. And it was only when the new discoveries... I I used electricity, but it could be any number of major, major discoveries. It was only when it couldn't be smothered because sometimes it could be. Sometimes it was crushed in the cradle, like the steam engine. It should have been like 70 years before the the steam engine was created. It should have already have come online. But but the, the person, Denis Pepin, who was a friend of Leibniz, who discovered the original steam engine and created prototypes in London, was killed and his prototypes were all destroyed and they disappeared until some British uh, inventor came up with them like 40 years later saying, oh yeah, look what I did. And it's like, no, it was, this was Pepe way earlier for a different reason. Um, so then when, you know, when a new discovery ultimately can't be killed in the cradle, then the oligarchy will try to co-opt it and say, oh yeah, we love discoveries. We love science. This is how it works. Look here, use our approach, which ultimately sterilizes the minds of, of victims of that type of education system. And it destroys our ability to recognize that real discovery happens not through um, like just being. It's not. It's not through logic or through a monetary profit that you make the big discoveries. It's. It's. That's not what motivated Da Vinci or Ben Franklin or or Max Planck or anybody great. It was always something that had more to do with what I was mentioning about the individual and the and the eternal that they want to connect and understand the mind of of the creator. They see God. They all they all tend to believe in various ways in a spiritual force of that, that a God they believe in God they yeah, believe in their soul, all of them yep and they want to connect with that and transmit and edify their fellow human beings to pull them out of the shadows of the cave and into the light and they they are willing to give their lives with pleasure to make that happen it's a it's a very loving thing and you would only not know that by having the original writings of da Vinci, which are by the way, mostly owned by uh, the Queen of England. <laughs> That's why most of those those um, folios of da Vinci that we're permitted to see all, if you look uh, at any one of them, they almost always have like a little crown stamp at the bottom, just to like remind people that somehow for some reason, the Queen of England is the owner or the monarchy is the owner of these things, which they choose to sometimes circulate and, and let some of them go public, but we don't even know of all of them. Um, But if you actually read the original writings of these great people, you discover that very quickly, there's something very beautiful inside of their souls that are animating them. Um, So again, it, it comes down to this question of like, what narrative do you want to have govern your personal identity? Is it gonna be something that is based upon the minds and the souls of those who sacrificed and gave of themselves to make discoveries that were transcendental, that we can then maybe tap into some of that within our own soul? And improve in that direction or is it going to be to just you know be spoon-fed whatever um your your you know uh, big tech media whatever things are your authorities of independent bodies of experts tied to the world health organization or ipcc tell you is a reality um in order to become complacent and safe and secure knowing that you're going to get your uh, universal basic income check after you've gotten your 18th booster you know and and you won't lose your job and you'll be allowed to have a little bit of privilege of motion as long as your mind stays obedient. You can then maybe move, you know, travel, go on vacation to another country or maybe visit somebody outside of your your authorized little domain of uh, your district, right? You can maybe have a little pass to, to go outside of your district into a, another another district if you've been well behaved. But if you if your mind is moving a little bit too much and you're a little bit too critical and you're a little bit too aware... Maybe you won't get your your universal basic credits. Um, maybe you won't get your uh, your right to just travel. Um, maybe your world is going to become smaller and smaller, kind of like the the medieval surf, right, that was sitting on the plantation thinking, I wonder if I, I got a boat. What if I just, like, go in and and try to sail out a little bit more beyond the horizon? What would I find? No, I shouldn't do that. Those monsters can get me. Right. The master told me so. Look at the maps I'm using. Yeah,
0: sure, the mm-hmm. same thing. We should we should believe their data. We should trust them. They, after all, they know. They know.
1: Yeah, they know. They they care. They Jeff care. Bezos they don't. They really don't too far. Hmm?
0: Well, Jeff Bezos really cares because he has a phallic shaped rocket that he blasts
1: off into space with. Right. That's a fucking joke. Okay. Well, that's another thing. Did you hear about his his statement saying that most people are not going to be on the Earth or something in uh, in the future, and we're yeah, going to be uh, yeah, uh, sent off into space.
0: Yeah, we're going we're gonna to all work on a Mars colony as slaves for these idiots, and uh, only the most elite will be able to live in Gaia, the green paradise called Earth. That will be their Elysium, and uh, they'll live there while we will uh, slave away in the mines of Mars, so these idiots think.
1: You, 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 see, know, I love these.
0: you know what it is, man? I'm, 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 yeah. I, you know, there's a lot about these Western uh, elites that I don't get, but there's one thing. There's a commonality of patterns, and one of the things that 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 I always gravitate towards is when I start to see patterns and when I see this in markets, I've seen this in economies, and I call things before it happens and it happens. Here's the deal when you look at these Western leaders, your Klaus Schwabs, you know, even though nothing and you'd be happy, right? And they have their big hot dog party at uh, COP26 where they bring in $200 hot dogs and uh, $5,000 male hookers and all that. And, um, and, and, you know, they have these big confabs, and they write all these white papers. Now, if you are someone, if you did not know that there's a whole big world outside of Western civilization, that there is a whole big world outside of America and outside of Europe, you would literally think that the entire world is signed on to this bullshit garbage run by effeminate weak, pathetic men. You would think that, Okay. And I liken these guys to a bunch of shills. Remember the whole crypto craze a couple of years ago? We had ICOs, right? Initial coin offerings, right? Where everybody was writing white papers and people thought the projects that they were shilling was real. And they went ahead and they bought these pre-ICO coins, dunking hundreds of thousands, which eventually became tens of millions of dollars into these projects that went nowhere. Mm -hmm. Okay? It was all vaporware. I mean, think about this. When you start breaking down what these idiots are saying, and you work backwards. We are going to eliminate the carbon. Okay, how do you do that? We are going to kill the industry. Okay, when you collapse your economy, there's no money or economic activity in order for you to build an industry that you need to replace an existing industry with. Number one, then we'll put more money into it. Really, we've seen this with the last 15 years of quantitative easing to to oblivion. What happens is the more money you print, the more money you stimulate an economy with, the more capital malformation occurs. Okay, What you're seeing is not money spilling into innovative uh, areas of the economy where private individuals can take the money and build something great. What happens is it goes to the same beholders of the corporate fascist state. In other words... Google, when it gets money, is going to reinvest and buy back its own stock. Same thing with Apple. Same thing mm, with Netflix. Mm-hmm. Same with all these industries. Right. They're not doing yeah. jack shit. Yeah. So these guys, again, you boil it down, it comes down to that whole that old adage that you and I would, you know, mentioned a few times before, Matt. It's take the hill. Okay, we took the hill. Now what? Well, I don't know. It, they it's have, the yeah. they have. Yeah. This is a giant circle jerk of emotionally emotionally stunted intellectually incompetent academians because you have to be this educated to be this stupid and they get together in their little circle jerk ceremonies and mentally masturbate each other on these illicit crazy psychopathic ideas none of which has any fruition they don't when you break down oh, like the whole vax pass thing we do have a vax pass okay and then what what happens when there's no when there's no uh, 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 compliance? We don't know. Everything that the globalists put together, Matt, these are all forecasts in a vacuum. They're yeah. all forecasts, and there's no reality yeah. to any of this stuff. Go ahead, Matty.
1: No, exactly, and it's like too, like the uh, if if we don't all get. Globally binding carbon reduction uh, limits set up immediately at COP26. We're all going to be dead. It'll be the, the 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 earth will be burnt to a crisp. And it's like China just received some of their coldest, biggest snowfalls. Yeah. Uh, for this time of season in their historical records. Uh, this is what ha- is happening as we speak right now. Af- uh, Antarctica has one. I think it's the the second or third coldest on record. Um period a uh, several week period with one of the like the fifth largest accumulation of ice for this time of year in the historical records of antarctica um so you've got reality just destroying the perception the narratives right these crystallized ivory tower narratives and and then there's the reality which is just busting up the foundation of this structure left and right and they want people to still despite that hold on to this crumbling house of usher structure Right? That just can't like it has no internal integrity to it because reality is too strong. So what they often try to do, like one thing that that you said that struck like I just totally forgot that yeah, Bezos has his like penis uh, shaped rocket, which is I think just uh, a, 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 there's there's something to his decision to do that. That was not a surprise that like only Elon Musk discovered. And Elon Musk, too, like both of these guys are ultimately part of the exact same operation, right? do they really care about space or are they part of an operation like we were talking about with nuclear power? Are they part of an operation to destroy the sacredness of space, space exploration as sort of a field of human potential in the imagination and the minds of humanity? Because when you say shit like we're going to, have people like on a, on a Mars colony and that's going to be our future while we're all on this like global Gaia Elysium, the, 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 you know, rulers uh, of the, of the future. Um, Does that inspire the type of hope and optimism in, uh, in space and humanity that kids growing up in the forties or fifties or sixties or, you know, who are like listening to John F. Kennedy and feeling like really optimistic and loving about human beings and, and our potential to expand and, gr- and leap beyond our limits to growth are carrying capacities by you know discovering new worlds and and doing the great Star trek stuff you know that we that that we were we were being cultivated around not at all it's totally a bastardization and it, it kills your enthusiasm for the idea you're already it's already killed enough because you know most movies that are take place in space are like gravity garbage movie um is like just this nihilistic existential George Clooney, sitting there thinking, like, he hates being in space. He's got no enthusiasm. He just wants to go back to Earth, and he, like, hates it. <laughs> and it's like, that's that's your role model for what an astronaut should be, you know? And that sh- that's where that's where people go to die or get killed by aliens, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, already you bad enough. There? <laughs> yeah, like, so that's where that's you die. That's
0: what all Mars shit is all about, you know? <laughs> you know, ghosts on Mars, you know? All this other stuff. It's oh, ridiculous, it. like, you know, the whole thing I was, I was, you know, talking about the whole the white papers and the vaporware, right? Yeah. If, when you look at corporate media and you look at many of the alt media, right? Hmm. All these guys are doing is like a lot of guys in the alt media, they'll read the white papers of your Klaus Schwab and, they're like, and they'll get on the air and they'll get on the, the shows and stuff. And they're like, you have to understand, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, they're doing everything they can. I've read the white papers. I know the lockdowns are coming and they're going to go ahead and they're going to do this. And it's the end of the world. The new world order is taking over. Okay. I know I sound like a certain someone, but anyway, you get the idea. And if you read the white papers, you literally believe that. Because they don't know that outside of the West, there's a big, bold world that has rejected this crap. And this is why at the end of COP26, with all that pomp, with all that circumstance, with all this regalia, they wound up crying. We don't have a single agreement. Ah! And they're literally weeping that they don't have nothing signed whatsoever, man. It's incredible.
1: It was it was absolutely, absolutely amazing, yeah. And, I mean, you just see, like, how, you know, we shared with – or we were talking a little bit earlier before the show about uh, Caitlin Johnstone's uh, new, new little uh, op-ed piece, which is really great Brilliant. because, you know, people have been fed so much. I mean, the, the narrative makers have been trying to spin, spin, spin and do sleights of hand. To make all, especially uh, conservative-minded uh, people of the West who are sensitive to the evil of the Great Reset, they're, they're all um, falling for this constantly amplified tune that China is the global nefarious supervillain behind yeah, Uh behind the overthrow, the the color revolution in the U.S. and COVID nineteen, and and the world government and Klaus Schwab is a is a pop. They're globalists. That's what they are, and, Matthew. They're, they're they're globalists. Yeah, they're global exactly because they're like working around the world, and thus everybody, anybody who's like you know doing economy internationally is all for one world government and depopulation. Obviously, you got these like weird uh, formal. It's called like an this called an Aristotelian syllogism. Right. right that's that's it's, it's a, a way to program the mind according to logic so you get somebody to believe in some like generalization which may or may not be true oftentimes these generalizations are not true like everybody who thinks internationally is a globalist right thus china then you use a, a, a particular example so you got your general statement right the rule that defines all of the particulars then you then you pick a particular you're like okay china is working internationally and they 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 uh you know they support um, global cooperation. Thus, the, according to my rule I just created, they must be thus globalists.
0: Yeah, it's binary thinking.
1: Combine that with other rules, like well, all globalists want depopulation. Everybody who thinks internationally wants to get rid of nation states and subdue the world under uh, te- technocracy run by a managerial elite of social engineers. And you're like, okay, and you could just make your your formal your formalisms that create the macro narrative that then you spin all of the the details in the daily news cycle according to that macro narrative, and you ignore all data sets which contradict that. Like, for example, the data that points out that George Soros has been kicked out of China as of 1989. All of his open society foundations were all illegal. They cannot go into China, and they haven't for 30-plus years. Whereas... In the United States, he he, he has complete access in the United States and Europe to do whatever the hell he wants. Total access, total access, him and Mark Malik Brown together, right? These guys who initiated perestroika, who like brought the world to a one world government agenda in the 1990s. These guys together who ran Smartmatic and all of the different things that have been messing around with international elections. And I don't want to say anything that's going to get this thing, this video in trouble, but, um, these guys have, uh, just done some terrible things to destroy the Constitution in the U.S., and they've openly been saying that China is the number one enemy of George Soros's open society. Correct. Um, and people just ignore those those pieces of data. Or, for example, what Caitlin Johnstone gets across is uh, is wonderful because she said. I, I, I actually, I, I, I actually yeah. wrote an article that I'm going to be posting
0: on, on on Rogue that cites her article. And adds a few other things to it, but her article is just on point. The CIA, and Matt, you want to mention it because it's the, the article that she brought up was the CIA is literally weeping to death because they cannot penetrate China. They can't. They lose every single day. so many CIA assets were picked off. And people don't understand this. And 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 Matt, once you break it down, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in as well because I think this is important for people to understand how a national nationalistic countries run as opposed to a
1: globalist country. Go ahead, Matty. Yeah, because we're always told, like, yeah, China's evil social credit. That's what they would pass on. Yeah,
0: the totalitarian
1: state. Yeah, you get, get killed if you try to go to a church or a mosque. They're going to kill you, uh, steal your but organs. There are
0: organ harvest Christians over there. I know it. They're, yeah, they're yeah, 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 yeah. they going around right now in Hong Kong. They'll pick you up and they'll take your kidney and drop you back like an alien abduction. I've seen the whole thing happen.
1: Does Alex Jones support that? Yeah, of
0: course he does. He doesn't know any better.
1: Uh, okay. all right, I didn't he know. now he literally uh,
0: says he he literally thinks the ChaiCom. Like, that's the whole thing. The globals are working with the Chai because they want us to be like China.
1: Oh People God, all right. I didn't know, I didn't know you, I didn't know you had it that bad. Oh, it's okay, really bad dude. So, so all right,
0: don't trust <laughs> mainstream media when it comes to anything else, but trust mainstream media when it comes to China. It doesn't make yeah, any sort that- of sense.
1: Ah, uh, it's wild. eh? the contradiction. Well, so, and and so in this in this article, which was on Bloomberg uh, originally a few days ago, it's ah, uh, it's 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 called China is evading U.S. spies, and the White House is worried, and uh, and they're calling for like an, a stronger pivot to China, which cannot come soon enough. That's literally their words, and they they cite John Bolton as an authority because John Bolton, they're saying, is afraid that the, quote, CIA officers in China face daunting challenges posed by China's burgeoning surveillance state, which has blanketed Chinese cities with surveillance cameras and uh, and employs sophisticated facial recognition to track threats. Now, they're saying that this has made it impossible for all of our CIA assets to to do their jobs that they've been trying to do for decades before Xi Jinping. And they get across that 1.5 million people have been purged uh, several dozen have been um executed for being direct uh agents of the CIA from high levels of the Chinese uh deep state they're saying that that's such a bad thing but it's like <laughs> this is the frigging CIA that the thing that killed JFK that that ran 9/11 that that is that it you know did nine January 6th right this is the thing that's that's speaking to people boohooing and saying that oh they they uh the the their social credit has made payments to potential sources far more po- problematic uh, because you get like bad social credit scores. If you receive money from a CIA um, operative from right. either, you know, open society or any, the national endowment for democracy. So you can't do these things. And they're they saying, Oh, I wish they we could go back murk. to the nicer days of, of yeah. Jiang Zemin or Hu Jintao where things yeah, well, were, we... there was more people in the, in the central committee that, that we, we could then corrupt. Yeah. And
0: we can buy, you know, what kills me is it's, it, it, it... Xi comes in and they understand this. I mean, literally, it's like one of the things I was texting Matt yesterday, last night, was that, you know, China is like turning into this hardwired killer T cell that recognizes the virulence of Western global influence and mm-hmm. is becoming smart enough to deal with. They understand this is why they got the whole firewall up. Right. And this is also the reason why they have a social credit system. Because it's the only way to punish their elites and to keep their billionaire class in line. Otherwise, their billionaire class will become so damn big, they'll start confabbing with Western billionaire classes. And actually, you know, there's global homo happening everywhere, and there's eugenics all over the place. I mean, this is a people that face it. It's amazing to me when I look at China, when I look at Russia, these are two cultures that faced annihilation. They know what the hell they're doing. They know what the hell they're doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, and they've been trying to repair themselves.
0: Yeah, good.
1: Yeah, and you know, and and a lot of these mythmakers have selected the common theme that the China un- of the the Cultural Revolution of the Gang of Four from like you know forty years ago—that's the same China. You have to look at today's China from the filter of what it was doing Correct. when Kissinger was like slobbering with envy, saying how great this thing is uh, mm-hmm. in nineteen seventy-two. Um, and it's like, no, they're just ignoring the entire, you know, 45 year period since then, where they've been working very hard, especially since they kicked out George Soros in 89, when there was the Tiananmen Square regime change color revolution attempt run by the CIA, Operation not Yellowbird, people, Operation Yellowbird. Um, they have been trying to re- like recover from the damage that was done, but they are, it's a different issue it's a different entity. Like in China, they're embracing the Confucian classics. They're going through, they've got a, a national Renaissance policy yes. to revive all of the things that Mao and the Gang of Four were trying to destroy when they had their, you know, destroy the olds policy, like everything old, uh, Buddhist, Confucian, uh, Christian, whatever it is, monuments, just get, just destroy it all and reset civilization under the Red Guards. You know, these, these indoctrinated uh, youth who are like in their teens who are just like turning into like destruction machines yep um that is what they've been recovering from and now they're they're reviving their ancient traditions and that's what's becoming cool in china going to space for young people is an exciting thing because china has a serious policy oh yeah with russia together oh, yeah. to build a lunar base to mine well, helium free huh
0: I'll, t- I'll tell you right now that um the greatest uh advent for uh, american uh, teenagers is to twerk on tiktok you beat that.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's actually what they did in this they did a survey of like several thousand young American kids under the age of 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 seventeen and and several thousand Chinese kids, same age bracket, and asked them on a list of like here's 10 jobs, arrange the jobs in the order that you want them. And both uh YouTube star and uh, astronaut were on the list, and it was the inverse reaction. Yeah. So in China it was astronaut number one, YouTube celebrity number 10. And in the U.S., it was the opposite. YouTube star number one that no no kid really wanted to be. They would have taken the being an astronaut off of it completely if they could have. Um, So the kids there actually are excited for the future. Their their population, they don't have a one-child policy. It's it's up to three. They're trying to recover, and soon it's going to be gone. They never had a one-child policy for any non-Han. Um, yep. so all it of the, a, it was
0: only for the ethnic con folks. A lot of people, watch you, you know, try to have that one child policy.
1: No, it, it's, it's just for the ethnic Han, Alex only. Yeah. And now, like I said, even that is, is now over. They've actually got a real growth function, um, seven, 8% growth function, uh, industrial growth as well. Like real physical growth is, is what they've been like averaging. That's going to continue to maintain while we are shutting down. productive base that we once had in the 1960s and 70s that's all being systematically the gears are being shut down boris johnson is going around saying we have to uh well you know boris johnson the new the new german government i'm starting to miss merkel like the new german government just said we're going to suspend the north stream two because russia is bad boris johnson said we all we have to collectively as europeans say no to the nord stream two from russia because we're rewarding them for being aggressive to ukraine nah. you know they're actually <laughs> the an energy carbon. it's it's insane right Well, you they got, can, they you're, can
0: you're, warm you're... themselves with the with the Der spiegel and the and the daily mail they can crumble up those uh papers and war and burn them in their own houses matt that's what they could do i mean didn't yeah, they have like, like the only, a, a only diy booster, Huh? Didn't the Germans put out like a DIY what to do to warm your home? It was to like, take a potted plant, you take that pot, you put some newspapers in it, and you burn it upside down or something like that.
1: It's insane. Yeah, you told me about insane. that. Yeah, it's going uh, back to feudalism, uh, right? It's really medieval. Um, all because they don't want to have nuclear power, because you know um, that's the German policy. They they said you know Fukushima has proven to us that nuclear power uh, has to go in 2011, and and they're they're not despite the fact that. Ger- European energy prices are skyrocketing to 300% increases over last year and and with no sign of it going down. Despite all of that they're still going to completely denuclearize, de- de- that's a hard one to say, in uh, Germany by 2023 according to the current trajectory. Uh, Spain uh, they're, uh, they're all doing it. They're all yeah. acting upon the fake narratives um that radiation is unnatural, it's bad. Oil is bad because it makes CO2. Russia is bad because they want to in- invade your Ukraine. Like, listen to the Ukrainian defense minister. He said so. He said that they've got 100,000 Russian troops uh, right on the Ukrainian border waiting to yeah, invade. And the people who are actually like managing the border stations have-, have openly said, we don't see any of that. But that's what's being repeated in the U.S. Congress, where you have like uh, uh, Republican and-, and Democratic senators saying we have to send... U.S. troops to the Black Sea to defend Good. Ukraine.
0: You know? Ah, you know, the you know,
1: it's sad to say. It. I think the best thing that
0: could happen in the world right now is for American military um, personnel to involved in a short, contained, kinetic action, perhaps in the South China Sea or even in the Black Sea, and be completely wiped out. They need some
1: humble pie in some way. That's for they, sure. I don't, so I don't know if I want it.
0: I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, 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 am I'm, I'm not saying it. it that would be the only way, you know. I, I, but you know, there's an old saying: you, you, you mess around and you find out, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mess yeah, around I and mean, find the, out. I mean, the options are are definitely running lower, eh? I mean, I definitely is. reality has got to smack its, its, its yeah, provide just a, a smackdown to these illusions, these these constructs that are, are making people nuts and, uh, you know, acquiesce to their own destruction. So thank God, again, for Russia and China taking a commitment towards rejecting the post-truth cultural uh, opium wars that are have in, infested everybody, you know, run by the, the same assholes that did the original Bolshevik revolution around Trotsky and wanted Trotsky to be the... Uh, the 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 center of power in Russia. It's the same. This, this is why the Trotskyites, who were always beholden to the same Alfred Milner Roundtable, yes. uh, Jacob Schiff organizers of the and financiers behind the Color Revolution in 1917 and 1905, that they wanted the Trotskyites to be the dominant thing, and that's why they all the 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 the, the top Trotskyites like uh, James Burnham or Albert Wolfsetter. From uh, Rand Corporation or uh, Irving Crystal. all of them became the neocons. That's why it's consistent. It's not two different things. It's totally the same thing, um, and that's why Trotsky's key collaborators, like like Parvis, who was organizing the new the new Jacobin movements of of Turkey, like we 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 talked about a few weeks ago, right? The the Young Turk movement that was run by a bunch of Italian Freemasons uh one of whom was the grandson of Giuseppe Mazzini who ran the Young Europe movement with Lord Palmerston in the 1830s and 40s to just create total anarchy who worked with the KKK like mm-hmm. Albert Pike to create the K he was a Confederate general right that was the he was a part of the Young Europe uh Young America movement under Mazzini's lead these guys created um the Young Turk movement in the 1907 1908 that ran a, a Counter revolution there and created complete chaos in the Balkan Wars, um, while at the same time working with the Pan European w- Union of Otto von Habsburg and Count Kalergi von Kudenhof and and Schacht, like all of these one world government, you know, feudalists. That's why they created this thing in 1922, the Pan European Movement. It was to create a ben- what they called a benign feudalism of the elite, which had all of these like anarchists like Parvis funding that organization? Why the hell were, were they working with anarchists? Why did the Trotskyites, you know, who were become like Jabotinsky was also a Ukrainian, you know, anarchist, fascist, who became the founder of the most virulent, worst branch of, of Zionism that exists, who, you know, Bibi Netanyahu's father was the personal secretary for, not a coincidence, that want to ultimately increase the rate of chaos to a an imaginary bifurcation point of total anarchy in the future, at which point in their calculations, their, their, you know, their, uh, their ivory tower, oligarchical formulas, humanity will then be brought to a proper state of chaos and despair and lose all sense of the continuity of their family, their, their national traditions, their religious convictions out of trauma. That's what you, that's what happens with somebody's in trauma, right? They've, they've been, gone through like crazy shell shock. They can be fragmented, broken, broken down, um, and then reconstructed. At least that's how they think, you know, that they can just reconstruct civilization um, under their image, a brave new world image. So it's insane. What they want is ultimately going to destroy those who are managing this thing from the top down because they they really don't understand uh, ultimately that. And this again, Edgar Allan Poe, read the fall of the House of Usher, right? Yeah what they do ultimately can do nothing but self-destroy them or read Ed Ellen Poe's mask of the red death. Google it. You can get these online. He's showcasing exactly that this oligarchy, right? They just created the circumstances for a plague outside of their, that's the mask of the red death. They've got their, their gigantic mansion in some obscure part of Europe and they, their policies led to a total plague that's wiping out the population and they've locked themselves into their mansion and they've this they've organized things so that it's every day is an orgy every day with all of the 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 the, the golden collar generation who who got in with a special pass. Right. And they're just going to, like, live it up for for however long it takes as the population collapses outside under this this controlled plague. And uh, and what happens at the end? Read the story. I'm not going to tell you. But Ooh, I definitely got to read this
0: one, man. Yeah. Last but not least, before we uh, uh, sign off, I want to talk about the Jesuits. Getting involved in inclusive capitalism. The great Pope is in was meeting with Sir David Rothschild. I mean Lynn Rothschild, I'm sorry, go
1: Yeah, yeah. Lin, Linda uh what's her name? Linda something the Rothschild. Yeah. yeah. Uh we can maybe I will say a few words on this, but we can yeah. maybe unpack the 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 strange Jesuitical operations next next week. Yeah. Oh, actually, you no know what? No, next week what I want to do. Cause our uh, volume two of my book is now ready. Um, Ooh. so next week, what I'll, what I'll do is showcase. It'll be the anniversary of John F Kennedy's assassination on the 22nd of November. Yes. Our, our show is going to be, I think on the 24th of November. So I'll, I'll, do a little breakdown special show to both get across my book, which goes through JFK's fight, um, in a lot of detail, volume two of the clash of the two Americas. And, uh, and also pays honor to, to JFK. So that's what we'll do next week. Maybe after that I'll do the Jesuits. Matt,
0: what's the best way for people to get volume 1 of your book? And when volume 2 is available, how's the best way to get it?
1: Uh, you can go to CanadianPatriot.org and it and there's like a, there's a banner. It says like buy the books. Just click on the banner, buy the books. And follow the instructions. Um, if you want to buy the PDF, it'll tell you what to do. Just send me an email and tell me you want to buy the PDF. I'll tell you what to do. Um, yeah, so there's that. And anyway, I'll, I'll go through more of that. Um, yeah, so you, there you see it right there. Get the unfold untold history uh, book series today. Now, if you go there, you just yeah, scroll down. Yeah, see the fir- the top two. That's volume one on the top left, and the and volume two is is what's been released as of yesterday. Top right wow. with JFK and Zbigniew Brzezinski and in a in and in in an explosion. Um, yeah. So if you go there and you got all the reviews and stuff. So um, I would suggest if people do buy it, um, leave a positive shining review. Um, as well that that helps the sales quite a bit and it's it's like 450 pages like the first volume one is 260 pages volume two is 450 pages it's a a lot of material um going to from 1890 to the future so volume one is from 1776 to 1890 and the clash of the two americas and then um we pick it up with 1890 all the way um to the revival of the this american system uh under the leadership of uh, China, Russia, the Greater Eurasian Partnership, which is the last five chapters. Um. So anyway, that that's that. Um. You should do an audible, like an audible. I, I am actually. I've got a. I, I got a, a professional. Darn! Um, I was narrator. hoping you'd ask me.
0: If you want to do four hundred and fifty pages, man, uh, I'm, I'm going. Go, go. go. I'll, I'll take you up on it. No, 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 go with the guy. I don't have to. I mean, could you imagine me all of a sudden? I like do my impersonations while doing the audible, pretending to be these specific characters throughout history.
1: Yo, you could do an Abraham Lincoln. Nobody's ever recorded his voice, so if you could actually play out what you think Abraham Lincoln or John Quincy Adams would sound like, that would be amazing. I'll try. (laughs) I'll try full score. but you're busy, I know. But yeah, for Volume (laughs) One, uh, uh, the Audible is is um it's all done. It's just uh, being finalized right now, mixed. Um, but that'll be available like within a couple of weeks. But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they'll both be available there, and I'll, I'll make sure that people get access to that. Um. The other thing, Jesuits, right? So Jesuits. Okay. If you, um, it's it's a big one, but I would just say that ultimately, this is only something I've always sort of avoided really digging into it for many years because it's just so strange. And it's only somewhat recently that I started really taking a serious dive into the whole like history of the Jesuits and like, what is their role? Because there is good Jesuits too, right? A lot of a lot of good people have been Jesuits and have done very good things. But like Bertrand Russell says, and this helped a lot when I read his... Um, he's one of these grand strategists. Uh, very useful to read some of his uh, writings, especially the, the scientific outlook that he wrote in 1919. And Lord Bertrand Russell makes a point that the Jesuits... Um, what he loves about them is that they've organized their system in a highly disciplined, compartmentalized way... That has one set of education exper educational experiences for those who will be the servants and another set of, of experiences for those who will be the, the controllers, right? The managers. And he loves that. That he's and that's what they're they're trying to obviously construct in in their ideal ivory tower society. Um, because you're like, how do you how do you manage the managers? How do you control the controllers? What type of right? Because that's always the thing that these grand strategists are always troubled with is and and I know Joaquin. When I listened to your interview with Joaquin Flores last week, um, you guys touched on that a bit. Like, how do they create a structure that is self-controlling and self-perpetuating in continuity over many generations, which will not run the risk of oligarchical families uh, fighting with each other, which is often what they do? Right, the criminals will band together to to get a job done, but then when the once the job is done then they'll start stabbing each other in the back. Cause they're like, why am I just going to like share my, my ill begotten gains when I could steal it from that guy who I formerly had worked with. And that's always what happens all the time. So, um, they have been working very hard at trying to figure out the solution to that problem. And Bertrand Russell, you know, he's like really studying the Jesuits cause it's a very well organized entity that's been around for almost 500 years, yep. um, served a certain function. Um, and uh anyway the, the the current the current pope has done a lot of damage it's there's a very very and i one of my newest articles is the um pope francis's greening of christianity which is part of a series um which gets at how not only did the coup d'etat happen to to oust uh benedict who's not such a great guy but he definitely was not what we're seeing now what uh, was, uh you know, a little was it his Hitler-Jagunda? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I get it. If you're saying you're 14 years old, you had no choice. Okay, fine. I don't know what the- Well, at least was he time. wasn't like Soros. Or he's like, I remember
0: when yeah. I was leading the people to the concentration camps. It was the most delightful time in my life.
1: I was so happy Literally. to see them.
0: I mean, guy's guy a psychopath.
1: Yeah, it it, it it made me who I am today. It was so exhilarating. <laughs> yeah, that was that was nuts. Exactly. So I don't I don't see any evidence that Benedict was was of that or Cardinal Ratzinger. I don't think that he was like that. Um, I I've seen that he did in the 1980s and early 90s. He did certain useful things at different times during the 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 fight against the satanic takeover of the church. That you know, it, it, this didn't come overnight. This has been a, a creeping process. But there was a reason why Pope John Paul II got shot. In 19, May 1982, there's a reason why Pope John Paul I died after only 30 days in uh, in in his office as pope. In I guess it was 1978. There's a reason. There's something that they were doing, um, which is going to be the topic of of one of my upcoming articles as well. Um, but this thing that finally did consolidate its takeover uh, in 2013 has really worked hard to rewire Christianity and extract the divine the idea that 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 human beings are made in the image of a creator endowed with the power of uh participating in the process of creation because of that endowment which is what the founding fathers and every renaissance great renaissance thinker ever understood when they were christian it was that that's what they were tapping into that to be fruitful and to multiply which was the addict the of of first genesis 26 um is to go forth, be fruitful and multiply. And and it's by the, the sweat of your brow that your work, your labor is what is going to endow you with the ability to do this. Being fruitful is the relatively easy thing. Um, anyone can procreate, but the, uh, no, sorry. I, I got that inversed to be multi, to multiply is the easy thing because that's just quantitative growth. Um, but the being fruitful part is different. And there's a um, a really wonderful I'll, I'll email it to you guys, uh, um, a video that first opened my eyes to this from 1984 conducted by, by the American economist, uh, Lyndon LaRouche called the power of labor, where he, he basically builds the entire two hour video, uh, on this point that to, to be fruitful means something qualitative. It's not quantitative. So if you're going to have more people, that's fine. But the contingency is that you have to then be fruitful, meaning you need qualitative breakthroughs in scientific and technological progress and you have to work right labor has to be something which is seen as not just working for money because you have to but it has to be part of a process of society going somewhere like you know that's why there's the old the the saying without a vision the people perish society to be able to have the moral fitness to survive requires constant goals that are transcendent that transcend the current state of affairs. That improve things and self-perfect things without any assumed limit there's no absolute carrying capacity or uh limit to growth that you can assume is is waiting to slap you down even because we're in a universe that like the earth you could say oh but what about the uh the the limited space on earth maybe that's a limit it's like well wait a minute the earth is in space last time i checked with a bunch of other celestial bodies um we are we are on it, on a, we're moving like at three hundred, whatever it is, three hundred million uh, miles a, an hour around a sun, right? Which in a dynamic universe of of billions of other suns, maybe trillions of with our galaxy alone, which is part of a cluster of other galaxies. So the idea that we have limits when we have a universe which is harmonic, it is it is creative by all all evidence, and that we can participate in understanding and then uh, increasing. Our ability to sustain more people, to sustain more life by greening a desert, by greening deserts on other planets—these are all things that we can do because of this power of uh, divine creative reason. These are these are things which are ter- like were attacked directly by Pope Francis with his Laudato Si uh, encyclical in 2015, which directly says, you know, the, the that's the old it literally says that the Promethean idea, the idea of Prometheus that as a as the fire bringer that stole fire from Zeus, the god that gave to man, and with that knowledge of the arts and mathematics and, and uh astronomy and everything else. That's what, what's in the, the Aeschylus story of Prometheus. That that is what the encyclical directly says is wrong and has to be reformed because humanity is a part of nature and they're basically reducing God to the equivalent status of nature. It's, it's it's a very pantheistic sleight of hand that's been done. St. Augustine fought against this sort of argument 1,500 years ago. But that's what they've just done. And they're saying we have to integrate into nature. And to be uh, stewards of nature means we have to live according to nature's limits. And so that's what Pope Francis has done. That That year was a busy year for Pope Francis. 2014-15, he created the, um, the, as you pointed out, with Lynn uh, de Rothschild, this you know, this this heiress who like married into the Rothschilds um, with Evelyn like Evelyn de Rothschild, who's like 90 years old, is her husband. Um, they created this the Council for Inclusive Capitalism, yeah, which is so by the Jesuits. Um and it, it has guardians. They actually call themselves the Guardians. It's it's like yeah. a joke. But well, it's like a bad comic book movie.
0: They are the Guardians presenting 90 year old Lord Rothschild. <laughs> Stop right there. And Linda yeah. Rothschild the ultimate Karen of the elites.
1: Yeah, like who would buy that comic, eh? But it's, Jeez yeah, that's exact, exactly it. It's a, it's a cheesy comic. Uh, they're just, and, and yeah, you have people who are among the Guardians. They're they're representing like, you know, trillions of dollars of global capital, the biggest banks and corporations. And you have like Mark Carney as one of the Guardians. And you can go to their, their website. They got a list of all the Guardians. And uh, like the the head of the, the, the Rockefeller Foundation is on it, the head of the Ford Foundation, which is part of, Openly, the CIA funded, you know, uh, local control uh, anarchist groups in the 1960s and 70s uh, that were part of COINTELPRO. That was all brought to you by the Ford Foundation. He's he's a part of that. That's what's behind Black Lives Matter in many ways, channeling funds. Um, you have the heads of, of State Street, who's there, Bank of America, Merck, uh, Johnson & Johnson. They're all part of this whole like Guardians thing that's tied to now the the Jesuits, uh, Pope Francis and Linda uh, De Rothschild to make uh, capitalism become moral, which is ultimately their way of saying make it green. Um, Put it so yeah, you have all of these things. Moral. Yeah, and, they're, they, and, and they, they are
0: the they are the guardians of morality. They know something about morality. They know you know with all the the little boys they've squandered and squealed They know something about morality with all the children they've abused, the by the t- millions of people that have died under their policies. They know something about morality. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. These are the people that we're, we're letting, uh, manage the, become the new high priests, right? That's really what they want to see themselves as is the new high priests of a new global narrative. That's the, that's what the world economic forum. Great narrative is all about is how do you create a new religion with uh billionaire, uh, technocratic high priests that will manage it, but they themselves also are devotees of their own religious, uh, they have, they have their own synthetic religion that they also adhere to that sort of perpetuates the system. And again, reality is reality. Their perceptions of reality are very different. And reality is going to be pressing down, already is. It's pressing down fast. There's cracks in their foundation and it's pressing down harder and harder every passing day. China, Russia, and many other countries are not having any of it. Um, and to the degree that you get national actual statesmen and utilizing the powers of sovereign nation states in a way which we have now seen already over the past five, six years of the like Russia-China cooperative front which is bringing in Iran, it's got 140 countries who are on board with the Belt and Road Initiative. To the degree that you have that and they continuously push beyond the limits to our growth by investing in breakthrough technologies on magnetic levitation that they're building the big infrastructure projects that we used to build that we no longer do. To the degree that they they're doing it and demonstrating how they're doing it is the degree to which we actually have a chance to wake the fuck up before this thing gets completely out of hand and we're like now under underwater with no hope of of uh, getting to the surface, so I would just say people have to really, really think about reality, get the the proper philosophical grounding of how to think through this stuff, because there's always going to be noise and misinformation and sleights of hand trying to convince you that the the devil doesn't exist, or if it does, it's called China or Russia or Venezuela, and you got to be really mentally strong to see with your mind's eye all the time, so you don't get seduced by by the magic. You know, it's magic. It's it's uh, a <laughs> It's in incantations, in a sense, uh, secular modern incantations being thrown into our our path. So.
0: Very well said, man. Very well said. And folks, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, Matthew, uh, again, go check out Matthew's website over at the canadianpatriot.org, risingtidefoundation.net. It is the what I like to call the Library of Alexandria in all things geopolitical, Jewish strategic. Go check it out. As well, make sure you guys subscribe to his Substack. That it's valuable and imperative that you do. Buy the damn book, man! I'm gonna be buying some copies for myself. It's gonna be awesome. Looking forward to it. And remember, remember, folks, you are the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, yeah, my Alex Jones person that just came out of nowhere. It's just, uh, I'm just, running, I'm just it's very good. I'm impressed. <laughs> And that's the whole thing, Matthew. You got the globalists out there, and we're going to, you know, get it out there that this is the war and Infowars.com, and this broadcast is brought to you by Pfizer. (laughs) 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 Thank you all for listening. With that being said, Akuko, are you there? Take it away, my man.